Hello, I'm Daniel Sketchler. And I'm Callum Byrne. We've been friends for more than 10 years, sharing lifelong passions such as film and music. But most importantly, football, through the ups and the downs, the celebration and the heartbreak. However, he's a blue nose. And he's a villain. This is the Second City Podcast. Hello, my friend. And how are you this week, Khan? Evening, Dan. Merry Christmas. As uh, this is uh, going to effectively be you. our Christmas episode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, probably, pretty much. Um, although we will, I'm sure we'll do an episode between um, Christmas and New Year. Hopefully, I'm sure we will. Hopefully, um, yes. Hopefully, no promises. Um, but yes, uh, thanks for joining the three of us this week. Yeah. Uh, we, had, I don't know if maybe in the YouTube intro you'll have seen a little. Um, Little snippet there, but we are joined by um oh go on uh, another preview here, Dud Dudley. There he is. There he is. Hey. We are joined by the podcast mascot, my Labrador Dudley. Um, who's insisted on joining us this week, which is very nice of him. Big supporter of the podcast and diehard blue nose. Ah, oh, he had to go and ruin it. Yeah, wow, well, no, he's a smart boy, isn't he? But, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, how have you been, Cole? All good, though, yeah? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Finally got two days left of work, so we're almost, we're almost free for a fortnight, which would be nice. Uh, my island, uh, my island, my cousin popped over from Ireland at the weekend, so I went and met her for a couple of beers um, over the Liverpool-Manchester United game. Um which was just on in the background. Um, so that was very nice. Um, nice. What about yourself? Yeah, good, yeah. Um, yeah, just tired, man. Kind of in the home straight to Christmas now. So clocking in the overtime, getting on it. But um, but yeah, good, yeah. Enjoy it. Like kind of just, yeah, kind of just trying to get to Christmas and just, you know, enjoy that week and stuff. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm good otherwise. Thank you. I'm good. Went to Blues last night. Um, yeah, I was going to ask that, yeah. And yeah, um, which I'm sure we'll get onto. Obviously, Played on a, a Monday night, hence why we're recording on a Tuesday for a change. It's thrown me so out of kilter for recording yeah, this it's... on a Tuesday. It means I've got to re- de- speedy the edit out probably yeah, tomorrow really... and get it out Definitely. tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, otherwise, yeah, good, thank you. Um, so this week we'll just uh, we'll start with, as we always do, with what we're wearing. I'm sure you know the gist by now. And then we'll get into, so we're going to talk about, obviously both teams played twice this week as well. Um, Blues played Cardiff away on, on Wednesday, last Wednesday. So we'll talk about that just quickly. We won't spend too long on it. Then we'll um, talk about Villa's week. They played in Europe and then they played uh, Brentford on Sunday. Yeah. And then uh, then we'll talk about Blues playing last night. Um, but yes, so then we'll get into some housekeeping and then we'll look ahead to what's going on uh, on Boxing Day and, and the weekend just before that with uh, with Blues and Villa. Um, so yeah, should we get into it, Carl? Let's get straight in because it's going to be another bumper edition. I think this week, lots of yeah. games. I think it's yes. like a, I think Sky Sports say Christmas is for football. Um, yeah, cool. What we're wearing? Uh, who should go first this week, Carl? Ooh, um, shall I guess yours first this week, Dan? Sure. So for anyone, so we've got a white Adidas Triple Eight Sport kit. Yep. Doesn't particularly narrow it down. It looks so similar to some of the other white away blues kits you've worn in the last like yeah. eighteen <laughs> yeah. weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
let's think it's going to be of that era when we were both in the championship together uh i think we're going to go for 2017 18 away full house bang on absolutely um uh who do you think the manager was this season that's a brief guess. So my guess came because that looks like an invert of the home kit, which I would imagine it would have been Steve Cottrell, Steve Bruce and Gary Monk season. Steve Cottrell, Steve Bruce and Gary Monk. I picture the 2-0 at Villa Park where Steve Cottrell was the manager. Wait, is he, because Steve Bruce was your manager. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, sorry, I meant Harry Redknapp. <laughs> sorry, I meant Harry Redknapp and I just said Steve Bruce. Yeah. yeah. No, don't worry. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're correct. Um, yeah, this was a really weird season. So this kit I got for my 20th birthday. Um, I'm pretty sure. And yeah, so 2017-18 away. So the, I wore the home version of this like a couple of months ago, I think. Um, but yeah, this was the season where Redknapp had kept us up on the last day of the year before. And this would have been our first full season under the Free and Trophy Asia BSHL ownership that came in in, in 2016. Um, and uh, like it's a season that's like it's a really we talked last week about seasons that are really defining and that leave such a mark for years, and this was absolutely one of them. Like, um, there's so much optimism coming into the season. Like, we thought the new owners was going to be a really exciting time, and Redknapp was going to stick around as the manager. Which having a name like Redknapp was was quite exciting. Um, John Terry was meant to be signing for us. Some of you spent so much money. Yeah, yeah, we did. And Alex, this was the summer that got us a points deduction eventually um, for overspending. Alex Song was announced as signing for us and then and then did, that didn't happen. That was really weird. Um, and yeah, just a really chaotic season though. The Redknapp thing did not work at all. So we brought back, brought back Steve Cottrell who had been Redknapp's assistant the previous season at the end of the season. That didn't work either. Things got really just quite ugly at the club. We had some really awful, awful runs. I think we lost eight in a row at one point um, in like sort of February, March time. Uh, we lost two nil at Villa Park, lost to Wolves, just got, just seemed to get outplayed every week despite bringing in players like Hotter, Harley Dean, Maxine Collan, you know, like some good players. Um, and then thankfully at the end of the season, Gary Monk came in and this was one of many seasons where we did a, like a sort of, Big great escape at the end, um, and we did have some really memorable games at the end of that season. As a result, to kind of haul ourselves out of trouble, because we were actually bottom at Christmas with I think like seventeen points or something, which is absolutely insane. And it's a thing, isn't it? That if you're bottom at Christmas, you're almost certainly going down. And we were. Yeah, I remember at Christmas being like, we're like, we are so we're not just losing. We are we are so bad. I was like, this is as bad as I've ever seen Blues. We are dreadful. And that was mad because I didn't think we had a, a bad squad. Like we had the players I just mentioned, and like Yukovic that was was you know was was doing it for us, and Shay Adams and so on. Um, by the end of the season, we really hauled ourselves out of it. Got some good wins, beat Hall three 0 and uh, beat Bolton one 0 away with a Yukovic goal. Beat Fulham, who obviously beat you in the playoff final this year. We beat them on the last day three one to stay up, which is a game I really regret not being at. Um, because I had like some unique commitments and stuff. I remember, my, um... I remember that game because I remember. I think did you have a pit? There was a pitch invasion at the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I yeah. remember, I remember seeing a video on Twitter of a fan going up to Mitrovic on the floor, going, "Beat Villa in the playoffs." Yeah, <laughs> which which they did, of course. Yeah. Um, 
But uh, one of my favourite memories of a game that I was at in this season was um, we played Burton Albion at home and Monk had come in at this point and Burton were right down there with us. And we were actually 1-0 down and it was like a huge game. At least Burton Albion, you know, like Burton Albion. And you could have scored a header in like the 85th minute or 87th minute or something to rescue a draw. And like the limbs were like insane. And it's like, I think it's just the context. Like it was an equaliser at home against Burton, you know, and the place just went insane. That's a really fun memory I have. And that point was crucial in keeping us up in the end. Um, So yeah, winning season because it ended on a positive, but all in all was a disaster and did have real ramifications. Um, But Really nice slip kit. I know what you're saying about like it's not that different to some of the other white ones we've had with like a blue trim over the years, but Adidas I think do things better and a bit cleaner than a lot of the other kit manufacturers. And yeah, so this was 2017, 18. So you're was... not seriously about to tell me that the Adidas kit is better quality than Xtep. I know, I know, it's mad. I know, it's whoa, crazy. Um, but yeah, no, um. And this would have been, we would have been in our last year at uni at this point. So, yeah, just a really good time, really fun memories. I was still in Cheltenham and had a, good, had a really good year that year. Um, so I kind of associate, it's weird how you associate seasons with like time, like what's going on in your personal life sort of. Um, so, yeah, 2017-18, home is this one. Uh, away, 2017-18, away, sorry. <laughs> I do that every week, I've noticed. Like... I've got to cover this up, otherwise it's going to give away. Okay. The year. Um, so I'm guessing you're not actually wearing like a conventional kit. Um, this is a score draw remake of a real shirt. Okay. There's not a lot to go off for the audio listeners. It's claret and blue <laughs> with a blue collar. Yeah. And the badge is just a lion with AV and embroidered underneath it. And that's it. It looks It looks like 70s to me. I'm going to say like 1975. It's a good shout. It's a really good shout. Is so it? I don't know if you can read what it says. 1971 Wembley, 1971. Ooh, yeah, enough. so this is 1971. Were, were you around in them days? I was not, no. So I, I mean, memories of this season are, there's not many, <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, I mean, a memory of wearing the shirt, the first time I wore the shirt was when we played Wolves away at the back end of last year and we lost. So it's it's not off to a good start in terms of like there's some kits where you wear them. To, I don't know. I get superstitious about kits that I wear to games, and some shirts. If we've had some bad results, I won't wear them on match day. So yeah. do you remember our? I think it was our Heskey podcast, the home shirt I wore with Petrov on the back. I've worn that to two games. They were both away games: Tottenham away in 1920 and Man City away in 2122. And we were leading both games until late on and let three goals in and lost. So never again Ooh. is that shirt coming out on match day. <laughs> never again. Sure. Um, but this shirt, um, some some little facts about this season for us. Um, we were in the third division at the time. So the old third division. And we didn't even get promoted. We finished fourth. Um, three points off um, effectively the equivalent of the playoffs. Um uh, we got to the first round. We only got to the first round of the FA Cup where we got knocked out. But obviously the shirt does say Wembley on it. We did get to Wembley where we were runners up in the League Cup um, where we lost to Tottenham in the final. So we lost 2-0 in the final. And yeah, another another 
catastrophic. Another League Cup loss. Another League uh, Cup uh, final uh, loss. Uh, yeah. to another another defeat at Wembley. So mm. heartbreak. Um, but mad though, we were in the third division and got to the final of the League Cup. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, pretty cool. You can get like these retro these retro kits now. So cool. You can get these like recreated classic kits and so on. Keep kind of yeah. the heritage of the clubs going. And I mean, even as a remake score draw kit, this is a very rare one because it was from like one of the original batches they did. So like the tag in the back has our badge from like the mid 2000s. It's not even the like one of the more modern badges of the 2010s. So it's a right. really old remake. Um, and they're, they're just, you barely see them. And I saw, I saw this one on, I think it was vinted like earlier on this year. I was like, bye. Um, but obviously a lot of talk around our badge situation this season. And mm. this is what I, something along these lines is what I reckon we're going to be getting in the next Where few it's all weeks. Going, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Shall we, um, shall we get into the games then? Yes, let's get cracking. Um, do you want to briefly talk about uh, the game against Cardiff? Because you were, I think it's fair to say you were dreading this game. You're expecting a loss. Yeah, oh, I was yeah. trying to be positive. Yeah, I was trying to be positive last week, wasn't I? But um, yeah, like wasn't I said? I think I said like I wouldn't fancy us to get a point anywhere away at the minute. Um, typically, I think it's maybe the first game under Rooney that I've just not seen any of at all. Um, and that's because I. Uh, I went to a gig on Wednesday night and so I didn't see the score at all when I, until after the game had ended. So I was really pleasantly surprised to see we won 1-0 um, against Cardiff, which is a pretty tough place to go. I think they were ninth in the league when we played them. Tough place to go and by all accounts we played really well. Um, so I won't spend too long talking about it because obviously I didn't see the game before, but I've seen all the highlights and all that. Um, lovely goal from Janino Bakuna, real composure. Really good goal really good goal to kind of flick it over the keeper and calmly tap it in. And it seemed like Rooney had kind of hit on something with the setup of the team. So he put Sunjic, who didn't seem to be getting any game time really since Rooney came in. He put him back in with Bielik and let Jordan James play slightly higher up and then played Stansfield up top on his own, but with the wide men of Dembele and Bakuna. And by all accounts, it just really worked. Um, Iwu was a right back and Mark Roberts went alongside Deion Sanderson at centre-back. And a clean sheet away from home. By all accounts, we played really well and apparently should have killed the game off actually quicker uh, and should have maybe added a second in the second half. Um, so just really encouraging. And I liked that Rooney came out and was like, it's just one win, you know, let's not get carried away. And Because obviously, it's one win out. Of, we don't want two games out of 10, I think, at the time um, under Rooney. But yeah, a real positive result. Uh, first points on the road under Rooney. Our first away point since we beat Bristol City away uh, 2-0 and that was in August and I believe that was our second episode of this podcast for context like this that, episode, yeah. I think this is episode 18 so yeah. like in that whole time we did not pick up a single point away from home that is crazy um, but yeah a real positive step um, so it's kind of a shame that it you know it's almost a week ago now it, it doesn't really make sense in my opinion a week's a long time in football and obviously we played again last night um, but yeah, that's kind of all I really have to say on the Cardiff game. And we'll talk about maybe the ramifications it had on the Leicester game last night a bit later on, I think. Yeah. And in sort of similar fashion, I'll rattle through the European game for Villa on Thursday where we played Mostar because um, it's going to be almost a week ago. Um, but that's the schedule that we live by where it's just football, football, football. Um, 
but yeah, we got a draw on the night, 1-1. One, one. Um, job done, really. Um, we only needed a point going there. We mentioned that. Uh, Lucky Warsaw did beat AZ Alkmaar, but it didn't matter in the end. Um, certainly not a game to rewatch. Um, it was definitely wasn't a classic. Where it was, I think it was just a typical case of we obviously didn't want to. Neither team wanted to lose the game, and obviously Mostar had nothing to fight for, and so it was just a game. We we obviously are playing so many games at the moment. We made eight changes. Uh, we gave a debut to Philip Marshall because Robin Olsen is unavailable at the moment. So uh, we were unsure. We spoke about last week whether he'd get thrown in or not, and we didn't think he would. So um, I thought he did very well, bar um, a couple of little wobbles near the end. But um, I was very impressed. Um, very confident to play out from the back, um, which is, I think, for a young goalkeeper, fantastic. And um, albeit he didn't have much to do, but I thought, he gave a very good account of himself. Um, I mean, he was on loan at I think Gateshead last year, so it's quite the step up from Gateshead to playing in the Europa Conference League um, away in Bosnia. Um, but yeah, we were a bit lacking in the first half. It was just a game without much intent. We're trying not to exert too much energy. Um, they were happy just to sit back and sort of defend whatever they could. Um, so we made a few changes. We brought Luca Dean on. We brought John McGinn on. John McGinn involved instantly, uh, put a really nice cross in. And Nicolo Zaniolo finally got his first goal in an Aston Villa shirt. So he's now up and running. Um, so hopefully that's going to be the give him a bit of confidence and be the start. Almost like that will really kickstart his season now. Um, you know, when we spoke about Zaniolo a week or two ago, um, in, when we spoke about the Bournemouth game, how he's just trying to do too much all at once and rather than just get the basics right and it will come. Um, and that's kind of what it was. He was in the right place at the right time. Um, so that was really good to see. Tommy O'Reilly made his debut as well. Another youngster at the academy. Um, I thought he was, he looked pretty sharp when he came on. Um, it's just a shame that we let a sloppy goal in at the end. Um, we had a little scare where Philip Marshall um, made a mess of playing the ball out from the back. And uh, miss of the season went to the Mostar striker, or where if he'd have left the ball, I think, um, so Marshall, the ball's come back to him, and instead of maybe taking a touch and trying to pass it out, he's under pressure and he's just gone to boot the ball up the pitch. And it's hit the back of Callum Chambers and cannoned back towards the goal. And the Mostar player, trying to get a touch on it to get his goal, puts it over the bar rather than letting it go in the back of the net. But then Callum Chambers gets beat a couple of minutes later, and to be fair, the strike is wicked. It goes into the top corner. Nothing the goalkeeper can do. Um, Callum Chambers only made a couple of starts this season and he looks like a player that's barely played any football in eight months. Um, he's looked, he, you know, he's not been great when he's played, but he's not played enough games. And I would not be surprised to maybe see him go in January um, just for the sake of his own career, really. He's not even a bit of a utility player now that's coming off the bench. For 15, 20 minutes, he's hardly in the squad now. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him moved on. No Clement Longley either, which was a surprise. It looks like he's going to have his loan cancelled in January and uh, go back to Barcelona so they can sell him to AC Milan in January. Um, but job done. Very jealous of everyone that got to go to Mostar. Um, it looked like an absolutely wicked away day. The stadium looked amazing. Like, You know what? These... I'm I'm not a big fan of like these soulless bowl stadiums you get. Like Tottenham's new stadium, as modern stadium goes, 
absolutely wicked. Um, but the the stadiums like this, you know, like Luton Stadium, like they're there. That's real. What's yeah. all about for me? Um, yeah. Characterful. Had one stand down the side of the pitch. Like absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, here's to now. We just got to wait till like February to January, February for the for the draw. So some interesting teams are in that playoff round. So Ajax um, and Real Betis have dropped down. Yeah, let's see something about Frankfurt. Eintracht Frankfurt. Yeah, they didn't well. top their group, so they're in right. the playoff round. Um, right. So I think PAOK topped that group, not Eintracht Frankfurt. So that was a shock to me. Because mm. I because th- I, th- I think Frankfurt lo- lost to Aberdeen on Thursday. Right. It meant they didn't top the group. So mm. bad. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, we're through. We did what we needed to do. Um, wasn't pretty, but we got the result we needed. And, and then so we had Brentford then on Sunday at two o'clock. Um, so as I said, I went out on Sunday. And but I caught the Liverpool game, but I missed our game and had to do the result avoiding in a bar with the football on. Yeah, and, and somehow managed to avoid it. Went very, very well. Um, so I managed to watch the game when I got home. Um, and yeah, another away game in the Premier League this year where we maybe struggled a little bit, certainly weren't at our best. We haven't quite found that like the formula. We're getting results away from home, but we haven't quite found the formula that we've got at home. You know, we've got no fear at home, as well as every every time we play away in the league at the moment, we're just not looking as sharp. Um, we went back to that sort of weird back five where we had Cash in midfield um, and then the Conza Carlos, Torres and Moreno as the back four. Um, and as we say, sometimes it's worked a lot of the time it hasn't really worked with Matty Cash in this hybrid role. And I do I do wonder if because that one game against Burnley where he scored a brace, it's why we're persisting with it a little bit. Um, it's just a thought. Um, I like Matty Cash and he's actually had a good season, in my opinion. Um, mm. But I do think he suits that. He's just so much more at home when he plays at right back. And then Cons is much better in the centre as well. He can do a really good job out of right back, but he's not a natural right back. But then you've got that dilemma of he's probably been our player, one of our players of the season so far. But all of a sudden you've got Carlos and Torres are forming quite a nice centre-back partnership. So if we can get Matty Cash to really click in this sort of hybrid midfield role, it it could open up quite a lot of opportunities for us. But it's good problems to have. Um, you want people fighting for the shirt. But yeah, I thought we, as I said, we didn't play amazingly, but I thought we were the better team in the first half. We probably had a few of the better chances. Uh, Brentford had some really good clear-cut opportunities where they tried to get in behind the high line. Um, Annoyingly, we conceded when we were probably the better team from a set piece. Alex Moreno loses his man and Keen Lewis Potter obviously scores his first ever Premier League goal against us. He's been there as his second season, hasn't scored in the league, did it against us. But yeah, so all of a sudden it was a game where maybe we weren't great, but we'd been on top and all of a sudden we've we've lost the lead. And um, yeah, we hadn't won at Brentford. So I did check because I said it was about 1930 where we hadn't beaten Brentford away. It was a bit more recent than that. It was 1953. 
Oh, like, well, that's fine. Win. That's fine. Yeah. Um, obviously we didn't play them a lot because we were in lots of yeah, different of divisions and it's only really been since we got relegated to the championship where I think we've played them every single season bar one um, but still to only have beaten them once in that period mm. um, it's quite something like yeah. um, which was uh, the 4-0 at Villa Park last year um, so the best result we'd ever got away from home since we started playing them again um, eight seasons ago was the 1-1 last season so when we went a goal behind it's a bit different to when we were at Tottenham and we went a goal behind where like I always felt that we could get back into that game I was a bit more apprehensive about this one just because we statistically do not do well at Brentford it's a small stadium small pitch they they are very good at home they you know even without their best players like Ivan Tony, Brian and Bermo um they are still a really good side at home and they did cause us a few problems. They had a couple of half chances at the start of the second half um, where they got in behind. I think Keane Lewis Potter played a lovely ball across the box and Alex Moreno made a last ditch tackle um, to clear the ball away, kept us at, kept us in at 1-0. The game all changed in the 75th minute, 70th minute, something like that. Um, when Brentford had a corner, it's been cleared and Ben Mee went in into a tackle with Leon Bailey, foot raised, studs up, over the ball. Referee gives a foul and a yellow card. VAR understandably overturns it to a red. It's as clear as a red card as I think you'll ever see. Mm. Leon Bailey, thank God his foot wasn't planted. It was just off the ground. If it had been planted, it could have been a really, really nasty one. Mm. Um, and a, a player who's in absolutely fantastic form for us as well. We cannot afford to be losing him to a a leg breaker. Yeah, it all changed at that point. All of a sudden we had the extra man. We were on top and um, Leon Bailey, as I said, he's in the form of his Aston Villa career, maybe even the form of his life right now, putting a lovely ball to the back post where Alex Moreno was there waiting, similar to the goal he scored against Legia Warsaw and just headed it into the corner. 1-1 and all of a sudden it felt like we could go and win the game. There's 10 minutes to go. Um, we haven't really been at it but all of a sudden, just the momentum of the game just completely swung. Um, and like five minutes later, we get a corner. Um, the ball comes in. Kamara sort of back heels it, but flicks it up in the air. And Ollie Watkins was there to score against his former club. 2-1. And uh, he went and sort of celebrated in the net. Apparently, there was a fan that was giving him all sorts of abuse under the sun. And so he just stood in the net and stared at him. Yeah, so I heard some stuff, like, um, I, I heard people like, kind of talking about it before I saw it, and people made quite a big deal of it. I, like, I just didn't even see what was wrong with it. Like, he's not, he's not, so we'll, I'll get onto it later, with something kind of similar happened in the Blues game last night. Yeah. But he probably was, I don't know if you saw that one, but like, he probably was just... getting, he probably was getting pelters all game. Um, And he didn't, like, I mean, do anything. I don't think he, he stayed. Was... He, he didn't yeah. go into the fans. He didn't go over the border, like over the the, the advertising hall. He didn't shush him or cup his ear or anything. And even if he had, like, so what? It comes with the turf. Like, what? He had, like, yeah. he, and even if he wasn't, like, I don't know. It was whatever. It's brief, and I, I, I didn't really see what was wrong with that, to be honest. Like, yeah, a lot's been made out. And, of I, and I'd love, to, I'd love to like... slag a Villa player off, but no, yeah. I didn't see what was wrong with it. Right. Did and kick up, though. Of... Did spark a big, uh, a big. Yeah, focus. it's because I think Simon Godos didn't like him staring down the Brentford fans or whatever, and so got involved, and it became this big ruckus. 
Mm. And all of a sudden, then there was just this tension in the rest of the game. Then um, yeah. Neil Mope had just come onto the pitch, and if Neil Mope had as had as, had as much footballing ability <laughs> as he does attitude, he'd be yeah. one heck of a player. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, he has had a better season, Neil Mope, than his last couple with with Everton. So mm. um, he has found a bit of. I say a bit of form, but he's looking more like the striker he was at Brentford than the striker mm. he was at Everton last year. Um, but obviously, you had the two of the probably biggest biggest shit houses in the league on the pitch at the same time in Emmy Martinez and oh. Neil Mope. Where I tell you what, though, I don't know if you've seen the, the first incident. Leon Bailey, they're having a great season. My God, he almost scored the own goal of the year. Uh, he's got the ball. He almost scored an own goal from the halfway line. Right. <laughs> he had the ball, and I think he was under pressure, so he wanted to play it back to Emmy Martinez, and just got so much on it, and just sort mm. of whipped it from the halfway line, nowhere near Emmy Martinez, who had to sort of chase it down. It almost went in the back of the net. It would have been a yeah. comically, brilliantly bad own goal. Mm. Um, for some reason, then Neil Mope decides to just run into Emmy Martinez for no reason. I don't understand why he did it. Because Emmy yeah. Martinez was always just going to go to ground and waste yeah. time. You're uh, chasing you, the game. <laughs> yeah, are you not a little embarrassed about it? Like, as a, or as a, even as a Villa fan, you're not like, come on. Dude, I, I come did. On. I found like, it a bit. Of, I that one not too much because I knew that what he was doing, he was time wasting. And yeah, sure, sure. if he wanted to have the corner taken quickly, why would you give a, a player an excuse to time waste? Yeah, is there a bit of history there with them too as well? Like there was the whole Burn Leno well, thing and all that, or. I don't know. Well, there's a bit of history. Well, you go back to that Burn Leno incident, but weirdly, that injury is what kind of sparked a Martin chain is. of events. <laughs> sparked a chain of events that led to Emmy Martinez winning the World Cup. So, yeah, sure. Um, sure. But I, obviously, there was a lot of afters with a lot of players in that Arsenal team. Yeah, Neil Mope. Yeah. So there's probably a bit of I don't like him. Mm. Um, but then, obviously, as we approach uh, the 90th minute. Um, it might have been, you know, we're in stoppage time. We've won a free kick. Emmy Martinez has come over to take it, and he's just given Neil Mope a little like he's barely touched him, just give him a little hey, hey. And mm. Neil Mope in a team chasing the game. Can we point that out again? They're 2 1 down in the 90th minute, theatrically throws himself to the ground. Yes. Um, and this is where it gets a bit silly because we, we're happy for Neil Mope to waste time. Emmy Martinez doesn't need to get involved again at that mm. point. And that's where he does. He goes over and he did this again to Leeds in the lockdown season where I think Bamford dived and he just, it might have been Tyron Mings, maybe not Emmy Martinez. But anyway, they just picked him up by the shirt and hauled him up when he wanted to be on the ground. And he's tried to do that with Mope, who just sort of dead weights to stay on the ground. Uh, And obviously it's one of those things where the crowd were like, ah, you can't do that. And the players, Nathan Collins was like charged all the way down the pitch to like get in his face. (laughs) It's all getting a bit... A bit silly. And then Bubakar Kamara does something even more stupid, which is put his hand in the face of a Brentford player to push him away. It's a red card. We can't argue about it. And because it's violent conduct, that's a three-game suspension. Mm. And we yeah. got playing Man United on Boxing Day. Stupid, He's a stupid huge player to miss for that game. A huge player. Mm. You know. Um, stupid, like, as you say, like you had nothing to like it was all in your hands at that point. Just keep it going, keep winding them up if you yeah. need to. And he, he yeah, and wind he, him up he, and like, leave him on the ground. In the foot. 
Yeah, yeah. And yeah Emery was furious. John McGinn was furious. It's been a, I've never seen John McGinn, especially as, as Villa captain anyway. I have not seen him so angry on the pitch. And he was very angry with Emmy Martinez for maybe instigating it. And I think he was even more annoyed with Kamara for getting involved in something he didn't need to. You know, Emery's very, he's a very classy manager. You know, I like Mikel Arteta is a great manager. He's done a great job at Arsenal. But I feel like when they lose, he's always got something to moan about. Oh, yeah. You know? Like he's yeah. never happy. Um, and he's not the only one. He's just one that comes to mind, probably because he shouts as loud as Klopp. You know, Klopp does it and Guardiola as well. Mm. I find them really annoying to listen to in interviews because yeah. uh, they're either really patronising or they're moaning. Mm. Um, as whereas Emery isn't like that, you know. Um, and I think Thomas Frank said that Emery showed class when it was all kicking off because it it was silly on both sides. It was embarrassing for us. It was embarrassing for Brentford. I mean, if I was Thomas Frank, I'd be saying to Mope, I know he's trying to wind you up, we're trying to get something out of the game. Stop yeah, giving them yeah. the excuse sort of thing. Um, yeah, sure. And both teams will probably get fined for failing to control their players. I think like 11 yellow cards got dished out in the game and like 10 of them were after Ben Mee's red card. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. It just chaos broke out. Yeah. Um, but we won, which is all that really matters. We came from behind um, and it does mean... Two things. One, if we if we beat Sheffield United on Friday, mm. we will go top of the league. And if Arsenal and Liverpool play out a draw on Saturday, uh, we'll be yes. top of the league at Christmas. We'll uh, be top of the league yes. at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I've just said that. It's yeah. a bit surreal to say. The good news is this is Aston Villa. We'll lose 1-0 on Friday night. It's something as well. Like, you've got more points now already than you got in the whole of your first season when you came back up, which is only, like, three, four years ago. We got 38 points already. Mm, And it's Christmas. It's ridiculous. Um, Mm. Yeah, did we even get... We definitely didn't get 40 points the year we stayed up. You got 35. We had 37. Yeah, not even that. Yeah. Um, So, um, and also, I think we've won, like, I think it... Uh, we've now won more games in a calendar year in the league than in any other year as well. We've just broken so many records. Mm. Um, and I checked actually, so I have the AC Memento app on my phone and I, and it's basically like a way of keeping a track of every game you've ever been to and you can put a picture and stuff like that. Mm. I checked. So I think um, I've got one more game to do this season. So I'm doing Burnley at home on mm. the 30th. I think I've done 10 Villa games this year. And we've won them all. Whoa, that's pretty mad. That's an impressive yeah. stat. Yeah. The only other game about that 30 I've Blues done... games this year, and we've won about yeah. four of them. <laughs> the only other game I did was I did Brentford West Ham at the GTEC uh in the FA Cup third round and Brentford lost. So that's the only game that I've seen. Oh, yeah, right. It's the only defeat I've seen, but I didn't really carry one anyway. So Yeah, of course. Yeah. Which is mad. Well, but bear, bear, bear in mind, I think in 2022 I didn't see us win. A game. Yeah, I think I, yeah. I only saw defeats that year. Mm. Well, I enjoy it while it lasts. Hopefully that's not very long, but <laughs> yeah, must be pretty surreal. Nosebleed territory. Yeah, like well, we were all expecting good things with Unai Emery, but I think like we were hoping for maybe we'd qualify for the Europa League, like mm. going back 12 months or even at the start of this year. I was like, heck, if we can just be like we were under Martin O'Neill, where we're in and around that European stuff, what an achievement that would be. But to be talking about, are we in the title race? Technically, are we going to win the league? Probably not. But we can dare to, dare to yeah. dream because why not? Well, yeah, and we're um, at the point in the season where it's 
like for it to have maintained for this long, there's at least yeah. a chance of thought, unfortunately. Um, but like, if you go top of the league after the first week, it's like, yeah, I mean, whoa. it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't count. matter. As whereas to do it by Christmas would be some some going really. Um, yeah. The sad news is, is that Kevin De Bruyne is back in training with Manchester City at the club. Yeah. World Cup, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, cool. Should we move on to Blues last night? Yes. Cool. Um, yes. I actually saw a good portion of this game while I wrapped some Christmas presents last night. Um, would you say, fair to say, good game? I thought it was a good game. I thought it was very entertaining. Um, yeah, so we lost 3-2. Obviously, that's not ideal. Um, and obviously, we beat Cardiff, so it's disappointing to not be able to build on it in terms of points. But um, it, like this has been a more positive week for Blues, definitely. Leicester are the best team in the league. Ipswich, Ipswich run, will run them close, but Leicester are a Premier League team in waiting. Well, they're in, actually in the months. best team the Championship has ever seen statistically at the moment. Yeah, I mean, they're on 55 points before Christmas, which is insane. Um, I think the record is like 103 103, or isn't it? Reading. Yeah, yeah, 2006. Um, but yeah, um, so it's they, they're so far ahead of us. It was almost a free hit last night. Um but yeah, good game, and it, I think it showed like their mood has changed a little bit. Like at full time, the walk players were walking off, Rooney walked around, and it was a kind of a positive atmosphere. People were like, you know, clapping them off and stuff. It was definitely the best atmosphere I've seen after a home game under Rooney, including maybe even the Sheffield Wednesday game, which is pretty mad to think. Um, Most importantly, how were the flame throwers and the fireworks? Before oh, the game? mate! I said so. I sent I sent you a video, didn't I? So <laughs> yeah. like, we'll get onto the football. But so they put. Some, we've been saying for years to each other the flu, the floodlights of blues are shit. They need they're, yes. they're terrible. Um, I'll always forget. Remember when you were on match of the day and it was just yellow on my screen? Oh, it was awful. awful. Yeah, and that that was that was a good 10, 15 years ago as well. Yeah, absolutely. But they're putting these new like LED ones around the stadium now so they did like a mad like light show like i've seen it at like watford and stuff they probably do it at villa as well where like the you know the, it's like going across the pitch building a bit of hype and stuff and then as the players were coming out it all went like went dark apart from near the tunnel and then the players come out the flamethrowers go off and then you know the wave of fireworks go off in front of the dugout again just brilliant this is like this sort of match day experience like just little things improving month by month in that sense. And I, I really I do. I say every week, I talk more about the fireworks than I do about the football. But <laughs> it's really, really good. And I appreciate that a lot. Keep that going because it may, to me, it helps make the game feel like a big occasion, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, we started really well and looked really up for it. Really kept the same team as he did against um, against Cardiff. Uh, and it, you, you said... On, on WhatsApp, it just sums up our season though. So we started well and I think it was uh, Justin James very nearly scored an own goal for Leicester. The ball goes into James their James Justin. James Justin, sorry. And um, the ball, and he somehow hit the ball and it went off his own, po- it went towards his own goal and hit off his own post. And we, there was actually a little bit of cheering because everyone thought it was going to bounce back into the goal. But not, it didn't, obviously. Comes back out and instead Leicester hit us on the break. Mavadidi gets played in. Chips Ruddy, 1-0 Leicester, literally in like two passes, and that's what Leicester are. And I was looking at it like, they're going to love playing against Wayne Rooney's Blues, you know? Like, we're going to be so open at the back. But you were talking about Ollie Watkins' celebration earlier, and I don't want to get too much into it, but like, it was, it was very... I don't know what you thought about it, but Mavadidi like, ran right up to the Blues end and like stepped over the advertising hoardings and sat down 
in front of the Blues fans with his arms crossed. And it's not like being at one of these new bowl stadiums. Like, he's literally, like, a couple of centimetres. Like, not a couple of centimetres, you know what I mean? He's, like, yeah. within touching distance of, like, the home fans. I don't know what you thought about that. I just thought it was a bit weird. It's not like there's any history there, I don't think. It's very strange. I, I don't know why he celebrated like that. Yeah, it's weird. I do, I do, I think, if... The whole stand had been full. Would he have done it? No, but obviously, no. I think there was a good there was a good few rows between him and the next. Uh, yeah, I don't know. or at least how it looked on the telly. Maybe about four oh, rows, maybe. maybe five. Mate, oh, maybe um, to be fair. Um, but yeah, I, th- I I think when you I think for the I think when you look at the pictures of like him just with the pitch in the background with him sat on the advertising mm. morning, I think it's a really cool picture that the, the social guy got. But it yeah, um, it is a bit like a FIFA celebration where like yeah, you just is, charge yeah. your player into the crowd. I just think it's weird, and it like from their perspective, unnecessarily really riled the Blues fans up. I yeah, I don't really, I I wouldn't understand. That. I don't mind. I don't mind. Like whatever, it is what it is. But um, but anyway, we responded really well. Um, and equalised within a few minutes. And Jordan James uh, scores a lovely goal. Sunich plays him in, and James on the turn with his right foot, one touch to turn, one shot, to, one shot to shoot. Obviously, that's how it works. Uh, straight in, uh, bottom left-hand corner, 1-1. One, one. He has been one man who has... I don't know if there's a direct correlation with Rooney coming in, but J- Jordan James... Sorry, it's so confusing, but Justin James... J- James, Justin, and Jordan James both playing in the same game. <laughs> um, Jordan James scored uh, a lovely goal, and he's been so good these last few weeks, and this season we're seeing so much improvement from him, and he's kind of undroppable at this point. Um, so it's great to see an academy product doing so well. And then a few minutes later, again, uh, Leicester hit us on the break and Dewsbury Hall, kind of very similar goal, gets threaded in, beats Mark Roberts in a foot race, which is quite rare because for all Mark Roberts' weaknesses and limitations, he's very fast. Um, but similarly, Ruddy comes out, he chips Ruddy again, 2-1. Uh, and that's how we went in at half-time. And Dewsbury Hall weirdly kind of went for the old... Goady celebration, which I thought I don't know if Vardy's been giving them all lessons or whatever. Oh, but, well, he, um, he's I think he's a proper local Leicester lad, so I can oh, I could see that right. the uh, I could see the Vardy effect on that. A yeah. player who I didn't really rate in the Premier League, but he's having a really good season for Leicester. Yeah, um, big shame that Vardy didn't play. We didn't get to see the Rooney Vardy, yeah. uh, the Wagatha Christie the Mark II. That would have been yeah, so good. Yeah, I was looking forward to them like literally squaring off at half time, having a massive punch up. Um, that was a shame. Because Rooney would win, but anyway. Um, and then second half. Uh, oh, a side note though. Damavididi got booked for um, his celebration, and then right before half time, he's going into the box and gets. He goes down on the edge of the box, so he's appealing for a penalty, and the referee doesn't give it. So, did maybe be a second yellow? Did he give a free kick? Nope, didn't give anything. Um, Very weird. If he'd have given um, the free kick, then I think you. It is it is a weird one now where you do see mm. this sometimes where a player will go down appealing for a penalty and it's a dive that doesn't get given but they don't stop play mm. and therefore don't book the player. For di- it's, how often do you see a player get booked for diving? It's only if it's oh. like a really theatrical one now rather yeah. than one yeah. that's trying to really cheat, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, true. Um, it's the kind of thing I think if you started dishing out bookings for it, play, it would hopefully cut it down, but you know. Yeah. Um, so it, things like that and then Arguably in the first goal, as Leicester are breaking, this kind of looked like there's maybe a handball in the build-up as well. So on them things, I think we were a bit unlucky, but Leicester are clearly so good and are clearly so much better than us. And I said to at half-time to a few people, like, I kind of worry that 
even though we're in a game with them and we're holding our own, I worry that as we get more tired and Leicester start to really dominate possession more, they're going to just rip us to shreds. Mavididi obviously scores again, start the second half, and I'm, we're all like, you know, this could be, this could get pretty nasty now. But we stayed in the game with them and had, a, had another good spell towards the end. Jordan James scored another goal, a bit lucky with a big deflection, but, you know, if you don't shoot, you don't score, and he, he made the chance for himself. Um, and, yeah, we just, to lose 3-2 to Leicester and play, kind of, like, they're clearly so much better, but we played pretty well. We made good chances. Um, is weirdly, weirdly, the mood is better than it was a week ago, for sure, and that's that's got to be a positive. Um, I would say though, for a team like Leicester who scored as many goals as they have, scored three goals last night. This may sound strange, but they're pretty bad at shooting. Like genuinely, some of the chances they had the second half, like it's like they were just taking the mick. I was like, how they weren't finishing us off, and must have been driving their manager mad because they missed some absolute sitters. If they were as prolific as they should be, they would have won. You know, they would have they'd win every game like five yeah. six now. Um, but. No, stayed in the game with them. Weird performances from some individuals. Felix, I know he's becoming a bit of a scapegoat, but he is struggling at the minute. His passing's not quite right. Um, consistency and composure on the ball really seems to be going. Um, and uh, personally, I feel like Buchanan's not quite what he was either, um, which is weird because they both played under, Ro- under Rooney at Derby as well. I don't mean to just dig them two out, but they both don't look quite themselves. Um, and I think I just think last night the golfing quality between the best teams in the league and a team like us, even though I've said before we do have good players, I think the golfing quality really shows and the golfing like footballing like intelligence, if you know what I mean, and just knowing exactly when to play that ball and that final ball and so on. And it, the golf is so clear. Um, quick side note on Mark Roberts, who's come back into the team and is Mark Roberts. He will always be Mark Roberts, like defensively you know his limitations and you know his strengths but what I find really strange and this is the ever-going debate with Blues the ongoing debate why do the Mark Roberts long throws keep getting why do we keep trying to use them so I don't like Mark Roberts has got a like Rory Delap level throw on him um, but it, I think it's resulted in like one goal and that was against Derby away in like 2021 never ever otherwise has it resulted in a goal he always just launches it into the box gets to the first man and comes straight back out but the weird irony of it is Mark Roberts is like six foot four. He's a giant. His long throws never work. So just get him in the box. Stop. Like, I just don't understand how manager after manager after manager, we always do this. Um, and the other irony of it is he's a really good crosser of the ball. A few times it would come back to him. And it, for a centre-back, his crossing is actually excellent. So much so that someone by me shouted, bend it like Robbo, as, as he went <laughs> by him, which I thought was quite nice. It was quite funny. Um, but yeah, so for a loss, weirdly positive against a good team. Great pre-match light show. Enjoyed that. A um, couple of good goals. Good match. Five goals, really. Not ideal and limitations in the team are being shown up and we've got a long way to go. But for the first time, really, in these last couple of games, I'm starting to see hopefully where the Rooney thing hopefully can go. It's a long, long, long way to go, hopefully, to to get there. But, yeah, feeling a lot more positive this week than, than I did a week ago. So, yeah. Shall we mop up a few bits of housekeeping, Dan? Yep, sure. Um, I don't know if you've got much, but there was some quite interesting stuff coming out of Aston Villa today. Um, So our new president of 
footballing operations. Um, Chris Heck, so he's the guy who replaced Christian Perslow in the summer, made his first sort of public appearance on Villa TV, did a nine-minute interview with the club, and quite a lot of interesting stuff came out of it. Um, so obviously... Um, the start of next season will be the 150th anniversary of Aston Villa Football Club. I think we're the first football club in England to celebrate that. So we're obviously going to make a big song and dance about it. There's going to be a slightly different badge next year, as well as the new, new badge that's going to come to replace this year's circle badge. Oh, what a um, mess. <laughs> I know. We're going to end up with four badges in four oh, years. It's going to be insane. Yeah. Um I mean, a lot. I mean, to be fair to Chris Heck, a lot of the stuff that came out today, it sounds like a lot of steps backwards, but it's him trying to fix things that maybe the previous administration he doesn't agree with or got slightly wrong, and so he's trying to put his own stamp on stuff. So, hence the new badge. So the the new badge that replaced the circle badge that's going to be announced in about three weeks' time. So keep an eye on that. And there's going to be a big countdown. I think it was like a hundred. From the start of next season, 150 days before the start of next season, the club are going to be making a big song and dance of like a countdown to celebrate that, which was interesting. He said something that I thought that which twigged me a little bit, where he said, I think you'll find a lot of interesting new aspects to the kit come the summer, including a 150th anniversary thing. So... I mean that that interests me. As we we talk about kits a lot on this podcast. What's going to be new and interesting to an Aston Villa kit? Is it going to be uh, the new I mean, kit make, the new sponsor? Are we going to have? Are we going to be wearing green rather than claret and blue? Or so, you know, I'm that, intrigued. It, it just sounds like PR. They all wheel this stuff out. Yeah. Like something about like Man United's new kit this year. They describe it as like, oh, it weaves the fabric of Manchester with. The yeah. history and the oh, like, fuck off! It's a red kit, lads. Come on, like, yeah, yeah. That's something that I thought was quite interesting. Um, mm. the big, big news though that came from it was the North Stand expansion. We talked about this last week. How the new North Stand was going to close that stand for two years and reduce capacity to around thirty six thousand. That has now been shelved, or at mm. least postponed for the foreseeable. Um, this was one of Christian Perslow's big, big ambitions. Um, also, of course, a big part of the North Stand expansion was for Euro 2028, because Villa's Park is one of those stadiums. By the sounds of things, we should still be okay. But I thought, I was under the assumption that the stadium had to be at least 50,000, but apparently we might be okay. Oh, what, for the Euros? Yeah. Nah, um, I'm sure it's not that because there's a stadium in Northern Ireland they're using that's like 30,000 uh, or something. It's not even close. Yeah. So, yeah, we should be fine then for Euro 2028. Um, so he said reducing the capacity to 36,000 for two seasons was not seen as worth it to basically add 10,000 seats, mostly because of how well we're doing on the pitch this year. Because as things stand, and obviously things can change, May is a lot, it's still five or six months away. But as it stands, we look to be heading towards Champions League football next year and reducing the capacity by over by nearly 10,000 seats would be kind of crazy when next year could be a huge revenue boost in yeah, terms yeah. of ticket prices. You know, the amount of ticket, if we're in Champions League football next year, that Villa Park will be a sellout every single week. Do you really want to reduce the st stadium capacity down? So I understand that a little bit. Um, 
obviously with the way that the club has the ambitions to become a regular in the Champions League and all that stuff, there's never going to be a good time to increase the stadium capacity and close a stand because you're you're not going to do it when you're rubbish because no one goes. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing really well, you don't want to take the revenue away. It's a bit of a tricky one. Um, unless the new plan will be to do what Liverpool have done, which is build the new stand behind the current one. So that could be something they look at. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, To abate concerns, because it's something that does concern me, is there are currently no plans to relocate from Villa Park, which would be PR suicide, I would mm-hmm. imagine. Um, yeah. One of the big reasons as well is the transport concerns. And um, and as I've got the train to and from Villa Park before, it's not too bad getting in, getting out as a disaster. That's with 42,000 fans. Um, adding an extra 10,000 is not going to help that. There's been a lot of issues with Birmingham City Council about renovating the stations around Villa Park. And it could be an issue come the Euros as well. If you make the stadium bigger and you can't get the fans back into Birmingham City Centre, you're just going to have so many issues and problems. So until the travel, you know, the there's more parking, and people can get public transport better in and out of the stadium, increasing the capacity is not a good idea. Um, Something that will go ahead, though, is the warehouse area outside Villa Park. They are going to press ahead, revamping that in the summer to make that an outdoor area, drinks for venue that should house about 3,000 fans. It'll be like, not hospitality, although we'll wait and say on that, but it'll be like a a pre-match fan zone, effectively. And finally, the only other thing he announced is that the store which sells all the shirts, the Villa store, is going to double in size in the summer. They're going to make it even bigger because if you've been to Villa Park on a match day, it is a waste of time going in the shop because it's heaving. Even if you want to buy something, you might know exactly what you want. The queues are massive. You're hustling. It's like going to a Black Friday sale in like... Curries, like mm. you've just got no chance. Or Pri- Primark on Black Friday or Boxing Day. There's no yeah. point. There's too many people in there. Uh, yeah. That's what Villa Pike's Villa Park is like on a match day um, for buying shirts. So that will be a good change. Um, so some juicy stuff. Cool. Shall we um, move into uh, the true festive games? Like right in the in the heart of Christmas now. Um, it literally is thick and fast yeah. from here on out. Um, obviously, always is around this time of year. Um, so, who, when, when do you play next, Cal? You play Friday night. So, we play on fri- Friday night, 8 o'clock, Sky Sports, Premier League. We're at home, looking to go to the top of the Premier League, as I said. We play Sheffield United, uh, who are going to be in their third game under Chris Wilder. So, a slightly more difficult game than maybe we would have had a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, obviously it's going to be the return of Cameron Archer to Villa Park as well so um, a player that never scored at Villa Park for Villa so let's hope he doesn't open his Villa Park account this this time mm. um, we should really have enough to beat Sheffield United at home they are probably the worst team in the league um, yeah I, I think I put us to win 3-0 on my predictor this uh, week you must be laughing playing the worst team in the league at home where you've won every game since 2003. And like you go top if you win, even if it's just for a day or two, that's just insane. That is insane. Yeah. I'm really good. I'm probably not going to go to the game. It's going to be really sad, Um, mm. but I'm going to burn. It just hasn't quite lined. If it was on Saturday, would be going Friday night just doesn't quite work, which is a shame. 
Um, but we're going to Burnley in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I hope, I think we'll win relatively comfortably. Um, mm. I don't know why this game's been picked for telly, but it has. Yeah, it's kind of worked out for Sky, weirdly. Um, although, I don't know, side note, the new Sky deal and new TV deal means I think we'll be seeing virtually every Premier League game on TV before too long, eventually. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, we're playing Plymouth away on Saturday on the 23rd. Um, mad how fast this season is going. We're already at a point where we're playing. This is the I first thing that we're... This is the first time we're playing a team. Um, this is like the second time where we played them this the reverse season. fixture, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I know there's a few others where we haven't played them yet. Like, so like, I think we've got Stoke on Boxing Day and we haven't played them. Um, uh, we haven't played them yet. But um, yeah. You're Plymouth in a weird away. scenario as well where Plymouth are about to lose their manager because he's going to Stoke and your next two yeah. games are Plymouth and Stoke. Yeah, like obviously it's not happened yet. So not too sure what's going on there. Hopefully that we can take advantage of that sort of uncertainty. But Plymouth are actually a place above us. Doing better than I think a lot a lot of people expected. Like, you know, they're, they're comfortably better than some of the other teams in the league. And they played well when we played them at St Andrews, actually, in August. Um, and we were actually quite lucky to beat them. Um, but I'm hoping, obviously, I got an away win at Cardiff. And I said, I'm hoping that we can build some momentum on this now. Uh, I'm hoping we can capitalise on this uncertainty and, and nick some in. And Rooney went to, he said when he went to Cardiff, he wasn't interested in just getting a draw. I think it's probably going for it, and I hope we can catch him on a bad day. Um, fair, fair, or I hate saying fair play, but kudos to, or whatever to anyone who's going to Plymouth on the twenty third of December, right before Christmas. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, we can return the favour. And I'd say two one would be my prediction. I think I could see us nicking it. I'm, I'm optimistic for a change. I can see it happening. I can kill your optimism. What? There are two Aston Villa loanees at Plymouth. Oh, no. Who are they? So, get your money, put money on Kane, Kessler, Hayden and Finn Az to score against Blues. I think oh. Finn Az scored against you maybe earlier on in the season. Maybe, yeah. I can't Sorry. remember. Possibly. Yeah, put money on that then because uh, everyone scores against us. He plays for Villa. Um, Calamar here only scores against Blues. Uh, who else? That Philogene Bidet scored for Cardiff last year. Um, Heenan Davis love the goal Heenan against Davis you. always scores against us yeah put money on it alright in that case I'll say 3-2 because they're both going to score so. <laughs> um, cool and then you're you playing Boxing Day are you? Uh, you play before us on Boxing Day so go for the Stoke game oh cool yeah so we're at home on Boxing Day um, and we're on the, we are Sports the, yeah we are so I'm because it's because all the Premier League's on Amazon isn't it so yeah, we're live on Sky Sports on Boxing Day, quarter past five, I think it's against Stoke, who aren't having a great season. They're below us, I think they're about 19th in the league. And obviously it's hard to make a prediction on a game when you've got another game in between it. But um, And they're probably going to have a new manager as well. Yeah, possibly. So hope I'm, it's a tough one because I kind of hope I kind of hope he hasn't left Plymouth by that point uh, and we can capitalise on that bit of uncertainty. But I hope he's not a Stoke by the time, and I hope he's not a Stoke by the time we play them, and they don't get that new manager bounce. But I just feel more optimistic at the minute. Stoke aren't a great team. I think we look, we've just looked a bit more up for it these last few games. If we could get, if big ass considering Rooney's only got eight points in total so far, but if we can get four points from these two games, that's a great return. That would be great, and that would finally be a bit of momentum. Um, and it's important as well because. Um, like we've got tough games coming up as well, like Leeds on New Year's Day, um, Bristol City on the 29th as well. Um, but hopefully we'll get another podcast in 
I'm sure we will, hopefully, before then, anyway. Um, but yeah, so yeah, if we get four points, that'd be great. And I'd be interested to see if he keeps the team the same. I think he probably will for the most part. Be interesting to see if Bielik stays in, though, because he's he's not been amazing lately. I wouldn't be shocked if he maybe drops Bielik, puts Bakuna in the centre, and maybe puts finds a way to put Miyoshi in the team. Because I feel like Miyoshi is too good a player to not be starting him. And maybe Bielik just needs a bit of a break, maybe. Clear his head a bit. But yeah, that's us on Boxing Day. So are you the night game on Boxing Day, are you? We're the eight o'clock game on Boxing Day. So, um, yeah, we've got Man United away. So you were saying kudos to all the fans going to Plymouth on the 23rd. Kudos to all the fans going up to Man United for an eight o'clock kickoff on Boxing Day. Yeah. Um, I can barely be bothered to go to a home game on Boxing Day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love going to the home game on Boxing Day, which mm. is why I'm really gutted we're not at home. I, um, I kind of like... Have- I kind of like not doing anything on boxing though, but yeah, could be worse. well. You can just sit in front of your telly down this year and just watch wall to wall football. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Four kickoff times. On oh boxing no, I'll, I'll I'll go to St Andrews. Don't worry, I'll go. Um, but yeah, so we got Man United away. We've only won there, I think, once since like oh nine ten, which was Dean Smith's last game a couple of years ago. Mm. Um. We lost last time, last year when we went there. 1-0, Bruno Fernandes scored. Um, if there's going to be another time to beat Man United at Old Trafford, it's going to be this year. Uh, it's got to be this year if we're going to beat them again. Um, I, obviously, our away form has been rocky. Um, obviously, weirdly, if you look at our points return, it's actually been pretty good. It's just that the performances haven't quite been there. And Man United always seem to get that little bit of luck against us for the most part. You know, Bruno Fernandes will probably score. Uh, Rasmus Hoyland will probably get his first Premier League goal. Whether we've got enough to score three, we probably do. Um, I think it'll be a good game. I think we'll really go for it. Um, maybe in the same sort of way that we went for Manchester City, um, but away from home rather than at home. Um, we certainly shouldn't be fearing this Man United team, especially if some of our players have outside ambitions of challenging for the Premier League title. You got It would be a huge statement win to go to Old Trafford and Boxing Day and win. So Bournemouth did it. There's no reason we can't. Yeah. Obviously, they got a good draw against Liverpool, didn't they, at the weekend, Man United? But they did. They I, definitely I, went into that game trying not to lose. Yeah, I, I still <laughs> have major reservations about them. I really don't rate them at yeah. all. I won't be sh- I, annoyingly, I wouldn't be shocked if you went there and won, to be honest. Um, no, I mean, they're, they're the sort of side that would get a jammy result against us. True, yeah. Though. So, um, I mean, to be honest, if we got there and get a point, it would be a point gained, in all honesty. Um, but be a great Christmas present if we won. Please, I Santa. <laughs> Uh, on that note, then, shall we, um, we call it a night? We should probably wrap it up. This has probably been the longest episode we've yeah. ever done, comfortably. So if Lots you're still about. here, thank you very, <laughs> thank very you. much for sticking with us. Yes, God bless if you're still there. Um, lots to talk about, though, obviously. Busy, busy times. Yeah. Um, very significant times. Cool. So, yeah, we'll try to get one in. Obviously, busy time coming up with Christmas, but we'll uh, we'll keep you posted on that. So keep an eye yeah. out. But um, yeah, if you have enjoyed this week's podcast, uh, please remember to follow us on Twitter and TikTok. Yeah, you can find us with the handle at Second City Pod. That's Second City Pod, so 2ND City Pod. Yeah, and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you're on. Give us a five-star review um, and you can follow us everywhere. It helps the algorithms out. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Nice one, Carl. Um, 
uh, until next week and also everyone have a great Christmas look after yourselves uh, have a great Boxing Day as well let's uh, enjoy the football and um, yeah take it easy and keep right on couldn't have said it better apart from that keep right on at the end so uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah have a Merry Christmas Dan and to everyone who's listening up the villa and we'll see you after Christmas <laughs> <laughs>